Hello and welcome back to History Obscura. Once upon a time, there was a very interesting Danish man who went by the name Hans Christian Andersen. A writer by trade, Mr. Andersen lived from 1805 to 1875, and during that time wrote some 200 stories, many of which you are quite familiar with. His fairy tales are, even now, beloved by many internationally. Anderson's posthumous fans include me, the Lycoy, of course, and even our dear Mad Maid, who happily rocks back and forth on her cot when I read her Anderson stories each night in the basement. Last night, poor Molly was particularly enthralled by the tale of Thumbelina. In case you're not familiar with the Anderson fairy tales, here's a quick excerpt from that story. When the prince saw Tiny, he was delighted and thought her the prettiest little maiden he had ever seen. He took the gold crown from his head and placed it on hers and asked her name and if she would be his wife and queen over all the flowers. This certainly was a very different sort of husband to the son of a toad or the mole with my black velvet and fur. So she said yes to the handsome prince. Then all the flowers opened and out of each came a little lady or a tiny lord, all so pretty it was quite a pleasure to look at them. Each of them brought Tiny a present, but the best gift was a pair of beautiful wings which had belonged to a large white fly and they fastened them to Tiny's shoulders, so that she might fly from flower to flower. Yes, it sounds like a happy ending, but the truth is that Thumbelina, or Tiny, broke the heart of her dear friend, the Swallow, in taking this miniature prince for a husband. Twisted and ambiguous endings were one of Anderson's fortes, in his original Little Mermaid, Ariel slept like a pet on a pillow outside the door of her beloved prince and eventually learned that if she failed to gain a human soul, she must kill that very prince to be allowed to return to her mermaid form. Ariel did not kill the human man or his new bride, but instead returned sadly to the sea where she died turning into sea foam. In a Shyamalan-esque final twist, however, a swarm of ethereal mermaid angels that swim through the air give Ariel the soul she always wanted, so that she may fly the skies with them forever. Yes, you can read all about this and more in Anderson's Fairy Tales Told for Children, published in 1837. A contemporary of Hans Andersen was another gifted literary figure, the English author Charles Dickens. Dickens, born in 1812, was something of a dark creator himself. Often focused on the pitiful and filthy circumstances of youth in industrial age London, Dickens' work influenced an entire genre of bleak dystopian novels. You may know these as Dickensian. Those novels include the likes of David Copperfield, A Christmas Carol, and Bleak House. 
For the sake of symmetry and proper credit due, here's an excerpt from Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or evil, in the superlative degree of comparison only. There were a king with a large jaw and a queen with a plain face on the throne of England. There were a king with a large jaw and a queen with a fair face on the throne of France. In both countries it was clearer than crystal to the lords of the state, preserves of loaves and fishes, that things in general were settled forever. This was, in short, the early Victorian period, still very much revered for its gloomy yet witty literature, its highly developed sense of culture and etiquette, and of course for its very lovely aesthetic. Though the author Anderson was Danish and Dickens was, of course, quite English, the two were familiar with one another, it turns out, each having read the other's work and having been quite taken with it. Charles Dickens and Hans Christian Andersen first met at a party in the summer of 1847. Andersen was not yet well known in England, and his stories were still being translated from Danish for the first time, and he was starry-eyed, introducing himself to the much more famous Dickens, calling him the greatest writer of our time. They had a friendly conversation. Afterwards, Andersen wrote a letter to his friends in Denmark ecstatic that Dickens had lived up to his hopes. Anderson apparently made a good impression on Dickens, too, because a few weeks later, Dickens sent him a package containing some of his books and a personal note. Perhaps a little too encouraged by this gesture, Anderson sent Dickens regular letters for the next nine years. Dear delightful Charles Dickens, one began. He'd send Dickens his novels for review and chatter in public and to friends about what a wonderful writer his friend was. In July of 1856, the English author wrote once more to his Danish colleague. This particular letter has come under close scrutiny and is popularly imagined to have been written in a extremely passive-aggressive tone in response to the endless onslaught of fan letters. It's not possible to tell whether Dickens had this intention, honestly, and though others may beg to differ, my belief that the author was sincere persists. Not that this point will matter much by the end of our story. The letter in question said to Hans, In these nine years you have not faded out of the hearts of the English people, but have become even better known and more beloved. 
It went on to say that the Danish author would be welcome to stay with the Dickens family if he were ever in the neighborhood. So in March of 57, Anderson earnestly wrote to Dickens to say that he would indeed travel to England for no more than a fortnight to take Dickens up on his offer. And so in June that year, Anderson showed up to Gad's Hill, Dickens' country estate in Higham, ready to become roommates with his hero. As his letter said, My visit is for you alone. Above all, always leave me a small corner in your heart. Although the Dickens family was expecting the Danish author, they could never have expected the way the visit went. Anderson was socially awkward and not good at picking up social cues or maintaining any kind of formal demeanor, apparently. Demanding in one way or another that he remain the center of attention. When he arrived, he reportedly asked that one of Dickens' own sons give him a daily shave, explaining that this was a custom for hosting male guests in Denmark. I'd like to point out that no books of mine actually corroborate this statement. Dickens' guest was made an appointment daily at the local barbershop instead. One night during a dinner, when Dickens held an arm out to one of the ladies present, Anderson apparently scooted over and grabbed it himself and walked with Dickens arm in arm into the dining room. He also stayed three weeks longer than he had originally proposed. It was not a good time for Dickens to have any, let alone this oblivious, house guest. His last release, Little Dorrit, was not doing as well as he'd hoped, and he was attempting to leave his wife for a woman half his age. Also, he was acting in a play, his friend Wilkie Collins's play, The Frozen Deep. At the premiere of this play, Dickens in the leading role and Queen Victoria in the audience, Anderson loudly burst into tears. And afterwards, he sulked because, to the supposition of others, he could not bear not to be the center of attention. When he learned that one of his pieces received a negative review while staying at his friend's home, he hurled himself down on the Dickens family lawn and passionately wept. Dickens' daughter Kate called him a bony boar. If you're familiar with the Dickens character Uriah Heep, well, it may have been based on a certain houseguest. The English writer wrote incessantly to his own friends to complain about Hans Christian Andersen. Dickens complained that his guest was very much a country boy and always suspicious that he would be pickpocketed in London. One time... Dickens wrote, a cab driver took Anderson on an alternate route through the city, leading Anderson to conclude that he was about to be robbed and murdered, so he shoved all of his belongings into his boots, including his watch, money, a train, timetable, and several books, and then got corns on his feet while walking around this way. Worse, Dickens complained that his guest could not pronounce the name of his own book in Italian, he spoke French like Peter the Wild Boy and English like the Deaf and Dumb School. When the famed fairy tale writer finally departed, it was with an apology. Kindly forget, he wrote, 
the unfavorable aspect which our time together might have shown you of me. Dickens himself wrote a note on the mirror of the guest room in his house. Hans Anderson slept in this room for five weeks, which seemed to the family ages. Thanks for listening. As I mentioned last episode, I've begun to stream a second podcast, which goes by the name Historical Fiction Book Club. It currently features a new chapter of The Utmost Island, a Viking story, every week. I plan to release a few Hans Christian Andersen and Charles Dickens tales in the future, too, so if you fancy a good old-fashioned book reading, hunt down Historical Fiction Book Club and subscribe. Also, don't forget to check out today's sponsor, The Dietman Files, wherever you find podcasts and show them some love too. Good night. Mm-hmm.